five graces of grace. We talked about this last week. I gave you three of those five graces or five undeserved privileges, if you will, of God's grace. And we have talked lengthy in this area, and I want to get to a place somewhat of cessation for now, and we will pick up later. But I want to continue this and give you the other two. But however, let me recapitulate real quick or review what we talked about on last week. And for a subheading, write this down, because of grace. Because of grace. Amen. Just to show you that as New Covenant believers, we were not born under the system of keeping various requirements and demands in order to be justified before the eyes of God. We were not born under the law. We were born under grace. Now, there are elements of the law that we keep, but understand this, and we've shared this throughout this teaching, in keeping those things, they are insufficient to make us right before God. Again, don't kill. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. But just because you don't do those things, that is not what makes you right before God. What justifies you before God is what Jesus finished. Amen. So I want you to understand that we are under grace. I want that to submit. Romans 6, 14, say this, I am not under law. I am under God's grace. Yes, that's, you are under, we are part of that covenant, or we are under that covenant that the writer of Hebrews tells us that having, God having provided something better for us, and that better for us was the manifestation of Jesus Christ. And it's what his death his burial, his resurrection, his seeing, his ascension, his seating done for us that places us under his grace. Let's read this. Ready? Let's read. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Now, let's take a moment. Because of Adam, men fell under God's judgment because he sinned. Throughout this teaching, we've seen that it began, it originated with Lucifer, and it entered humanity through Adam. And as a result of that sin, there was a debt that needed to be paid. That's why Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Put Romans 6.23 up. Notice the wages of sin is death, again, in context what the writer, uh, what Paul is saying is that because of the sin debt, the payment was death. Not what most have made us or inclined us to believe that, oh, oh you can die if you sin. That's not what he's saying there. No, he's saying as a result of sin, death came to all men. And in order for man to, uh, to get right with God, that debt has to be satisfied. Are you with me? For the wages of sin is Death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I want you to understand that we are under grace. Now, I said this last week, anytime, and I would write this down, we talk about grace, we're talking about the man Jesus. I would write that down. When I talk about grace, when I think about God's grace, I'm talking about the man Jesus. Who am I talking about? 
Jesus. The man who? Jesus. So when we're talking about grace, we're talking about who? The man, Jesus. John 1, 14, 16, and 17. Listen, this is part of your covenant. Favor surrounding you. God leaning in your favor. God's kindness being showered upon you. God's unearned favor (laughs) resting on you. Favor that you cannot work for. Again, and I'm going to show you in a second, if I have to work for grace, it's no longer grace. It's a debt now. And see, what religion has taught us is that in order to get the grace, we got to be good. Not realizing it is God's grace that empowers me to be good. It is not you being good that causes God to extend his grace to you. No, he's gracious. He's good to you. Even when you're not good, he's gracious. So it's not you being good. Be good. Look at someone and say, be good. But it's not your being good that causes grace to work on your behalf or, 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 or to be extended on your behalf. No, 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 no. It is me understanding God's grace that empowers me to want to be good. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I've already given you context on this, but I, I want to read this to bring you up to as to where we are or behind the statement that I said that whenever we're talking about grace, we're talking about the man, Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and his fullness we have all received. Now, those who believe in Christ the Savior, and grace for grace, or literally grace upon grace, or abundant grace. So as a result of having a relationship with Christ, men of God, there we have received grace upon grace, or abundant grace. So grace for grace literally means grace upon grace. So because of my relationship, there is a grace upon grace on my life. Let that seat for a minute. There is a grace upon grace on my life. So, and I want to show you something. And when, when you realize this, you won't fall under the lie that every time I fall short, I lose some grace. And if I keep doing it, I'm going to, no, no, no. That's not possible. Why? Because one, grace is raining. And two, there's a grace upon grace on my life. Oh, this is hard to believe, but it's right here in the Word of God. Again, religion, when I, what I mean by religion, man trying to work his way right before God based upon his performance or self-effort. And that's what religion has taught us. If you do all of these things, then God would be kind to you. God would be gracious to you. Are you with me? Are you with me? Here, grace means God's gracious favor, which he showers on his beloved children. 
That's what grace upon grace means. Verse 17, for the law was given through who? Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Listen, I, I, the reason why I want you to see this, because if you realize, because of my relationship, there's a grace upon grace on my life, I promise you, most believers will stop doing 90% of the, act, the, the theatrics that they're thinking that's making them right before God. They'll cut a lot of that nonsense out. This stuff that's wearing themselves out, you'll cut it out and just embrace the grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Listen, Christ, the law came through Came through who? Moses. So the, the law served, it could not save you. It just showed humanity how sinful they were. Okay? So the law could not save you. The law served as a schoolmaster or as a tutor. In other words, it served as like someone training a young child. And once that child got of age of maturity, the tutoring was no longer needed. That's why when Christ came, the, the, the schoolmaster was no longer needed. Romans 10.4, let me show you something. Why is this important? Because we're going to see when I mix grace and law, I am now frustrating the grace of God. I am now perverting the gospel. That's Bible. Romans 10, 4. Can I get it from the ERV? Christ, Romans 10, 4. That's good too. Romans 10, 4. And perhaps some of you can go there with your smart devices and get ahead of the game. Romans 10, 4. Christ ended. Christ ended. The law. So that everyone who, see, again, believes in him, see, you're made right by believing in him, not by keeping a bunch of demands and commands. Do right, but you're made right on the merits of Jesus. Christ ended the law. Grace and truth came through Christ. You see this? Again, if I, what do you mean mix when I, if I'm trying to exhaust myself, man of God, through self-effort to be right with God, you're mixing it. You are frustrating grace. You are laying it to the side. it's, It's not going to work for you because you are laying it down. Are you here? Christ, underline ended in your Bible. Christ ended. In other words, he ended man trying to be justified, man of God, by keeping the various demands of the law. It ended with Christ. 
do you see this in your word? So when you have various sects out here trying to tell you to keep, sir, it ended. It's almost as if you've been freed, but you don't want to accept the fact that you've been freed. Why are you still trying to live like a slave and you've been freed? And I will not allow you to put me back in slavery to the law because I've been freed by Jesus. Galatians 5, well, let me show you something. You here? This is good to me. This is important because Christians are frying out, getting burnt out on their relationship with Jesus because they're, they're, they're never at ease, just like those under the old covenant. Their conscience is never at ease because they don't know if they're doing enough to be right with God. So they're exhausting themselves by trying to do a bunch of things. You can't fast enough to be right. You can't pray enough to be right. You can't come to worship enough to be right. Do all those things are good. Do those things. But you, you can't tithe enough to be right with God. You can't give enough to be right with God. Tithe, give. But those things are not what makes you right with God. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, freedom, which is another word, by which Christ has made us free. And do not able be entangled again. See, hold on. The entanglement, man of God, is when you try to mix grace and law. That's bondage. You're getting in the way. You're frustrating the work. Whenever we attempt to mix grace and law, we frustrate God's grace. In other words, we do away with what has been laid down. We set it aside. We ignore it. We make it void. We've seen this in Galatians 2 and 1, excuse me, 2.21. This is part of Apostle Paul's rebuke to Peter. So at the conclusion of his rebuke, Paul says this. Can I get Galatians 2, 21? You got to remember Paul's letter to those at Galatia, he's refuting Judaizers. Those who were strict adherents of the law of Moses, who were telling the Gentiles who were enjoying their freedom in Christ. No, the only way that you are truly saved, you got to do or you got to do the demands or the commands of the law. You have to keep these things just as we did in order to be truly saved. So he, he's writing to refute that and to call the Christians. No, you stand firm in your liberty in Christ. He ended the law. 
Same thing what happened with Peter. Peter was enjoying, daughter, his freedom in Christ, man of God. He was enjoying his freedom. Much like most of us, when you thank God for, for being somewhere where the truth of God's word has been taught, rightly divided, then you go back to your religious, to, to your religious kinfolk, your religious institutions where God led you away from, and you still allow people who are bound talk you back into bondage. So Peter, who had once, who, who was actually enjoying his freedom, allowed a group of, uh, again, people who were strict Judaizers, caused him to go back and telling Gentiles who he was enjoying his freedom eating among, oh, you know what, you got to do this in order to be truly saved. So Paul rebukes him. And, and, and in verse 21, Paul lets him know, he tells him, when you, when, you, when you do this, see, again, Peter was trying to rebuild something again. We've seen this around verse 18. What has already been torn down? What Paul said, what does he say? I do not frustrate the grace of God. In context, the frustration was man's effort with God's grace. Mixing law and grace causes man to frustrate. We're talking about in context, man of God. Just read. He said, for if righteousness come by the law. So notice, he said, Peter, I, I would imagine, Peter, if you're mixing both, you're frustrating the grace. Okay, J just listen to me, Peter. He said, if, if our righteousness come by law-keeping, Peter, Jesus died for nothing. He died in vain, Peter. Come on, Pete. What you doing? Pete, you were enjoying your freedom. Wake up, Pete. So we know that our righteousness don't come by law-keeping. If it does, then Christ died what? In vain. So why are you trying to law keep? To be right. Are you with me? Okay. So here we see that when we mix grace and law, we frustrate. Put up that definition of frustrate. Here's what you do when you try to put your self-effort in the way of grace. To do away with what has been what? Laid down. You set it aside. You annul it. You know why a lot of a lot of reasons why I submit grace and the favor of God didn't work for a lot of believers is because they have laid it down by getting in the way of trying to be justified or make themselves right by doing a bunch of things, outward things. You're, you're frustrating it. So they tell you, keep suffering. It'll no, no, it won't. Not if you laid it aside. You're just extending your suffering. Yeah. 
look, to break faith with what? To get out of agreement with what God has said. Now, in Galatians 1, we're still in the same book, right? We see that mixing grace and law perverts the gospel. Let's look at this. So, we know now that when I try to establish my righteousness based upon self-effort, I'm frustrating the grace. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you. Listen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. We're not under law. We're under. Notice who called you in. You, you are in the grace to a different gospel. Watch this now. The gospel is what? God's good news. Understanding what Jesus did, meaning the meaning daughter of his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension, his, his sin, ascension, his seating, okay? Watch this now. Here, most of the time we take that as to a different gospel, you know, we, you throw in them all, Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever you want to, Islam, whatever it might be. That's not what he's talking about here. Although there is no other way, that is true. But here, the gospel that he's talking about, no other gospel, are the individuals mixing law and grace, not uh, rock-serving other religions. Thank you. Christ is the way. He's the truth. He He is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, so there is that 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 aspect is true, right? But that's not what he's talking about here. The other gospel he's talking about here is mixing law and grace. Don't worship rocks. That's true, but that's not what he's talking about here. Don't worship bulls, but that's not the gospel he's talking about here. The gospel he's talking about here is mixing. Why? Because they had Judaism telling the people, the Gentiles, that the only way you're going to truly be saved, you got to keep the demands of the law. Right? Who got that so far? Okay. Now look at verse 7. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to. So y'all be talking, where are you getting this? It's in your word. So when we try to mix, Paul considers that when you try to mix law and grace, you are perverting the gospel. And I submit to you, much of what Christianity has handed down is a perverted gospel in that they have demanded people to mix law and grace. 
so when we talk about grace, we're talking about the man, Jesus. We've seen this, Titus 2.11. Let me show you something. Who's getting this? This is good to me. God's marvelous grace has <laughs> just let's read the New King James first too. Then first, then we'll come back to this one because watch this. For grace, for the grace of God. Salvation can, cannot be found in no other name. So who do you think is making reference to here? Huh? The grace of God here, guys, is virtually synonymous with the Son of God, talking about Christ. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, being that all men that believe. Okay? Now, let's read the TPT. So when we're talking about grace, we're talking about the man, Jesus. God's marvelous grace has met. This right here is just making it a little bit more lucid. It's amplifying it. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person. He's not talking about just simply the divine attribute of, attribute of grace. He's talking about Jesus Christ himself. Grace incarnate, embodied in the flesh. God's supremely gracious gift to fallen mankind has appeared for the salvation of all. Talking about Jesus. That's why I get tickled when you let erroneous orators of the gospel tell you, look, you cannot exhaust the grace of God. Ah. To say you can exhaust grace is to say you can exhaust Christ. You cannot exhaust. He's from everlasting to everlasting. You cannot exhaust grace. In the beginning was the, see, he wasn't called Jesus. He was the word in the beginning. And the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning. So you can't exhaust him. You know why you can't exhaust it? Because grace is reigning. Oh, you li listen. Sin reigned because of Adam. Grace is reigning because of Christ. Did, did he not satisfy the debt that was reigning over mankind? 
So, so, so listen, get this. See, I, I, this, this got religious folk turning over all kind of ways. Watch this. I, I, I would write this down. I do not lose a little bit of grace every time I fall short. That's what, that's what people did. That's why people, I, I, you know, I, I fell from grace. Let me tell you how you fall from grace. How about you? You fall from grace when you mix grace and law. Oh, I'm going to show you. Look, when you you falling short, it's not what caused you to fall from grace. You fall from grace when you mix grace and law, when you mix self-effort with grace. Let me show you. Did you hear what I just said? Well, you're going to have to show me that, preacher. As a matter of fact, the one and only place, go ahead and get your strong ones. Vines, leaner about, whatever you got, check it out. You should. But the only or the one and only place in the Bible now, in reference to falling from grace, has to do with attempting to mix law and grace. And it's found in Galatians, chapter 5, verse 4. I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm saying it confidently based upon the word. Are you here? Listen, so remember, grace teaches me how to not to live ungodly, right? So if I fall short, grace is what empowers me, enables me to get up and get it right. I don't lose grace when I fall short. The grace no longer works for me when I try to mix minister, self-effort, with grace. So, fall, anybody ever heard people say, man, I, 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 fallen, I, I fell from grace. And what they're saying is that because of maybe some indiscretions, whatever, the grace is no longer, God no longer, he's no longer gracious towards me. You have been severed. From Christ, the regular King James is fine, but this is good too. Y'all, y'all, snapshot, snapshot, what, uh, snapshot, yeah, screenshot, whatever. Watch this. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law. Hold on. We just seen earlier, Crystal, that Christ ended the law. Go back there real quick, real quickly. Let me show, let, let's look at something real quick. See, when people are preaching a dogmatic message over you, it has to be, Sister Jackson, 
make sure it's line upon line, precept upon precept, rightly divided. Because most times, let me tell you, when it's dogmatic and, and coming in a, con, a condemning way, it's either out of context or they don't give you scripture. Don't do it. Why? Be, be because I said it. What is that scripture? It, 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 it's in there somewhere. Where? I'm waiting. Watch, watch this. Christ in the law. So that everyone believes in him. You see that, Brittany? So I may write how? By believing in Christ. Now, now let's, do you see, you see the connection? Now, go back to Galatians 5, 4. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be just by law. You ain't justified or made right by keeping the law. You're justified by believing in Christ. Who sees this? Notice I said the one and only place in the Bible in reference to falling from grace has to do with attempting to mix law and grace or grace and law. You have falling from grace. When? When you attempt to be justified by law. You fall from grace. Do you, who sees this? So I submit to you, that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of believers, that's why they think, man, when they're going through, they got to keep doing all this, you know, this self-denial kind of, Asceticism. Asceticism is when you, you really inflict harm or try to deny yourself from doing certain things in order to be right before God. You, you can't, and some even do bodily harm. I mean, you almost died because you thought by not eating nine days, hey, man, no, uh-uh, oh. You've you fallen from grace. So you fall from grace, daughter, not when you fall short. But when you try to mix self-effort with grace. That word fallen means to fall off from the straight course. To fall away. To forfeit. You also see that in your strongs. Notice, to fall off from the straight course. Notice, you're on the right course when you allow grace to do the work. What do you mean do the work? I'm in agreement with what Jesus finished. I'm believing what he's finished it is. So I'm saying the same things that he said. See, I'm... I'm See, what he did is the right way. That's why I said, I am the way, the truth. You want life? Walk this way. Get out. Move yourself out the way and, and just walk in agreement with what I finished. So it means to fall off from the straight 
So when we try to mix, we fall off. We fall away. We forfeit. Do you, do you, do you know what forfeit means? I don't want it. I'm choosing not to show up for grace. He said, I'm opting out. Let me keep working for God's goodness. Let me keep trying to work for God's favor. You will exhaust yourself. And most of the time, they walk away. Why? Because they've fallen off course. Grace is reigning. Romans 5, 20, 21. Romans 5, 20, 21. I pray you're getting this. Moreover, the law entered that offense might what? Abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, the law revealed sin as an offense to God. That's what it did. It showed man how sinful he was. Of course, it did not save man from sin, but revealed sin and all of its awful character. But God's grace, listen to this, proves to be greater than all man's sin. Notice where sin abounded, God's grace at Calvary abounded much more. You remember, because of what Adam, Adam did, the reign of sin inflicted death upon who? All men. And that ended with Christ. Notice we read Romans 6.23 earlier, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see it? Where, so now, as a believer, grace is reigning in your life. Now that debt has been paid and people to get, to get out from up under that debt, I need to believe in the one and only, Jesus the Christ. Or else I could still be affected by what Adam did. So we were made, we were born into sin as a result of what Adam did. So for me to be relieved of that debt that was caused by Adam, I need to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord, whereby grace can now reign in my life. That's why, remember now, you have to look at this as Paul talking to a Jewish objector, someone who's trying to object what he is saying. We did all of that. We, we went through that. 
That's why, just let me show you, just, just bring a little clarity. When we, when we get to Romans 6 and 1, watch this. What shall we say then? And see, people have taken this out of context. They, they, they say they, we have been inclined to believe that when people say, so I can see he's in a great male bound, that's not what he's saying. This connected to chapter 5. We just read, notice what he, it was like Paul explaining to an objective, listen, man, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So the objector, imagine the objector said, well, if, sin, if grace abounded much more where sin is, it would seem more logical to keep sinning whereby I can get more grace. So Paul said, no. What shall we say then? Shall we, so he, it's like the guy said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to send the grace bear about? Look what Paul says next. Watch this. Certainly not. How should we, uh, how shall we who died to sin? We can't, why? Because that thing that had me separated from God, I have died to it. Who gets that? So the only way you fall short of his grace, that is, or fall, excuse me, fall from grace, that is, is when you mix law and grace, not when you have a misstep. Oh, you've fallen from grace. No, I haven't. Don't tell me I've fallen from grace. And that's what people do. They condemn you. No, you fall from grace when you do what? Mix Law and grace. Someone say, because of his grace. Now, last week, we talked about the five graces of God. Number one was grace puts me into position. Number two, grace enables me. Number three, grace makes me who I am. And who remember last week, I said, we'll pick up right here this week, okay? So number three, grace makes me who I am. Put a pen there, and we will start again right here next week. Come on, let's get the Lord a hand clap of praise.